WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week's guest is writer Paul Tobin, who's got a fun series out from Vault right now called Heist, or How to Steal a Planet, about a guy who wants to do just that little thing. Uh, we talk about that series. Uh, you should read uh, Josh Bermont's uh, review of the first issue, actually, uh, up on the website. Um, but uh, back to Paul, we also talk about his uh, upcoming middle grade graphic novel, Rassled Castle, uh, and his work on titles like Bandette, Colder, Plants vs. Zombies, and Marvel Adventures. Uh, plus a little about his uh, pretty sweet sounding collection of original art. Uh, and uh, hey, if you are not tired of hearing us on podcasts, Merry Christmas! Uh, our own Matthew Lazowitz and his wife, Amber, just guested on the Super Sons podcast, talking about the early 2000s Birds of Prey TV show for their series of primers for their uh, for Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, Matt also just recorded a guest spot on Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where he got to voice Master Mold, so look for that episode soon. Uh, meanwhile, what is going on over at WMQComics.com? Man, we are now hip deep in the uh, WMQ Advent Calendar, writing about some of our favorite comics of 2019 with guest contributors galore. Uh, so far, we've got essays up on Assassination, Red Sonia, Criminal, Faithless, Spider-Man Life Story, Whispering Dark, Giant Days, Ice Cream Man, and Extremists, uh, with essays in the chamber on Power Rangers, Immortal Hulk, uh, and uh, good old House of X, Powers of Ten, uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, and more. Uh, so if you want to contribute, write an essay, or maybe just hit us with some uh, honorable menchies, uh, let us know. Hit us up at wmqgrams at gmail.com. But for now, here are me and Matt and Paul. So, Paul, uh, since we're recording this right after, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. It was a Friendsgiving. My, uh, most of my family lives in the Midwest, and I live on uh, in Portland on the West Coast. So I didn't really get back to them, but... Uh, uh, hung out with like Chris Roberson and a couple other writers and ate a turducken and uh, <laughs> drank wine and had fun. That's that, that sounds heavenly, especially the uh, three layers of meats part. <laughs> it It is very confusing when they when they bring that thing out of the oven and it just looks like you're on an alien world. And it's like, well, whatever. It's got meat. I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as meals go, it's definitely like a Cronenberg monster, but... Uh... <laughs> really is i mean if it started talking you'd be like yeah i, I expected that <laughs> i'm horrified but also not surprised mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> so uh icebreaker question we like to like uh, ask a lot of our guests are uh you know what, what comics do you remember reading when you first got into the medium oh geez see that's a huge list because um the answer is basically everything because um, I, uh, I grew up in a small little uh, small little village in Iowa, and uh, my grandmother was uh, w like was uh, went to garage sales constantly, like two, three, four times a day, um, and she would just buy stuff. And her entire house, and she lived on a farm, and all the barn and the outbuildings were full of just just things she grabbed at uh, garage sales. So I was reading like literally everything. I grew up in like late 70s um and basically so everything 70s on back to the 50s was in those garages and i just grab and read so uh you know the hulk punching something was just as good to me as as uh you know richie rich you know getting more money i suppose <laughs> i still like i still like the hulk but i am morally against richie rich now <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so you are currently writing uh, Heist at, uh, from Vault Comics. Uh, just for people who aren't familiar, uh, you know, what's the sort of elevator pitch for uh, the book? It's basically uh, I, I, the elevator pitch to Vault. Actually, was it's Ocean's Eleven in space, and uh, the thing that they're trying to steal is an entire planet. Um, they want they want to get their planet back, basically. So they need to steal it, um, which I kind of liked because, like uh, every heist heist films are always like if you look at them back through uh, back through time, it's like we'll steal a million dollars, and then a little later five million, then ten million, and you know now it's like a hundred million, and I'm like. Yeah, hell with it let's go for a whole planet <laughs> uh, go, go big or go home <laughs> yeah exactly um how did this book uh you know what was its sort of journey to vault uh well i had uh i had it i actually kind of looked the other day and uh and my first time that i wrote down uh, an idea for it was 2014 hmm. um i think i pitched it to a couple of people um, I cannot remember any specifics of where I pitched it, but then um, my friend David, who used to work at Oni, um, ended up working at uh, Vault, and we were at a convention. I wish I could remember which convention, but if you go to a lot of conventions, they're they kind of all blend. So oh, sure. it was it was that one convention that had the concrete floor and the overhead lights, and that's about <laughs> all I can remember. Um, but he's like, oh, I work at Vault now. You should come say hi to the guys." And I went and 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 met. Uh, Adrian and Damian Walsall, and we really got along together. Had a lot to talk about, you know, even comics, but uh, outside comics too. Damian and I both love uh, indoor climbing, so we get to talk about that, which is fun. Um, and uh, I know I just really liked their passion, and I, I pitched uh, a couple of things to them. I pitched uh, a project called Rassel Castle, um, which was co-written with Colleen Coover, my wife, mm -hmm. and they said that's great. We'll take it. And then I said, also, I like heist. And they said, yeah, we will also take that. So, <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. It's kind of a chance meeting with uh, David at a convention. David Disyanke mm -hmm. is his full name. Um, yeah, I knew one of the Wassels was really into uh, powerlifting. I don't know if it's the same one, but... Uh... That's Adrian. Adrian, um, uh, they're both far more powerful than, than they look. They are they are like uh, manga heroes. It's like you have yet to see their full power. So. <laughs> Adrian, He's gone up to 9,000. Yeah, exactly. He's starting to glow his hair. Um, yeah, Adrian is really good with uh, the lifting, and uh, Damien is a is a climber. And I'm really looking forward to. It. He's going to be here in Portland in a couple of months, and we're going to hopefully go climbing together. It's one of those be here for three days and have a ton of things to do. So um, I hope we get to go climbing together. I've been brushing up and trying to get my skills bad, so or you know, mad bad, so I can look <laughs> cool in front of him. Nice. <laughs> Well, hopefully you get to do that and hope, you know, if you keep pitching them, maybe one day they will show you their final form. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrifying, though. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you can handle a turducken. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so Heist, uh, you know, at, at least, you know, we, we've read the, the, the first issue. The second one comes out, I think, next week from when we're recording. But, uh, you know. Obviously, an app descriptor for the book, app title, uh, also the name of the planet. Um, mm -hmm. You know, why why was it important to go kind of uh, on the nose with that part of it? Uh, actually, name the planet heist. Yes. Um, 
That's a fair question. Uh, I will pause and try to think up a fair answer. Um, it just seemed great because, like, uh, I really like... Um, Although I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, because I think I was just the wrong age when it came out, there's like chunks of it I like, and I always liked the um, the bars. Sure. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it says something about me that I generally like the bars in science fiction films. Um, but um, I kind of wanted an entire planet that was like that, and since the entire planet uh, is basically full of cutthroats, thieves, and other like so-called lowlifes. Um, uh, I wanted the name of the planet to reflect that as well. So that's kind of where it came from. I didn't want to call it Den of Thieves or anything like that, you know. So Heist just had a, a, a good uh, ring to it. That's great. Uh, you know, oops, Matt, go ahead. No, I'm just curious, as uh, with your affection for bars and science fiction settings and your discussion of reading every comic you could ever get your you know, pause on a certain point. Have you ever read Grimjack? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Just cause when I think of sci-fi bars and comics, Mundins is the first thing that pops into my head. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we were just talking about that comic the other day, me and a couple of friends and how, uh, how like sneakily influential that book was in our careers. It's like one of those books that you don't really realize until afterwards how much it's influenced you. There's a lot of like sneaky influences in my life. Like I realize now, like if you'd have talked to me about um, the writer Steve Gerber like 10 years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, I think I read some of his stuff. And now I'm like, yeah, he's probably the most influential writer <laughs> of my career. So and just I, my ideas formed around like the way he told comics where um, I like I like humor in a comic and I like very serious um, comics and I don't think that those two need to be mutually exclusive. I've talked to and worked with some editors that are like, oh, you're doing a, a dark and grim book, so you, you can't have this guy cracking a joke. And it's like, man, me and my friends have been through some hard times in our lives and all we do during them is crack jokes because that's what we have, you know? So. Yeah. And I don't like a I don't like a book that has one particular mood. I don't like it at all. I I that to me makes a book very very boring and makes a character very very boring. Um, I can remember my uh, I can't get into any specifics of this. So here comes a vague story. Um, <laughs> it's the best kind. <laughs> yeah, but um, my friend was uh, this was a couple of three four years ago. My friend was writing Batman and. Um, during it, uh, this is maybe even longer ago, actually. Um, Batman in the comic saves literally an entire city, like I think Gotham itself. Um, so you know, millions of people. And uh, in in the original script, my friend wrote, he gives a little satisfied smile, and the editor editor said, "No, no smiles. Batman doesn't smile." And it's like, come on. <laughs> Oh, it's like killing me. Yeah, and it's like it's like you, you know he could crack a smile after saving a million people, and it's like maybe not like you know a mere half million, but a million. Come on, <laughs> it's not like he's supposed to you know go full Adam West, like a little bit of a smirky exactly. smile. Yeah, fine. Yeah, he doesn't need to be like a '50s cover where he and Superman are throwing grapefruity at each other as a giggle or something. But, but you know, a smile. Let him let him have it. 
(laughs) You're speaking to someone who has very many, many, very strong feelings about pretty much any aspect of Batman, and just hearing that, oh, like, come on. That that's what's wrong with so many interpretations of Batman, and I just I, I can't go into this right now. Cause, yeah, <laughs> no, because I could no. go on. We are we are giving knowing nods at each other across the entire United States right now. I know your feelings on. It. Yeah, I understand. Um, just going back to Gerber for a second. Are we talking like you know like Howard the Duck, Defenders, Man Thing, or like all of it? Uh, those three in particular, uh, I'd have to have to definitely say, yeah, the Defenders um, were probably my favorite comic as I was a kid. Um, in particular, the Gerber issues. Um, I was a huge Hulk fan, still am. Um, and uh, but the Man Thing was great. That got a little poetic for me at times. But Howard the Duck, I loved. Um, Colleen as well, my wife. We especially those uh, giant Treasury editions. Those were just so much fun i recently bought a original gene colon howard the duck page i'm so happy to have it on the wall Ooh, that sounds great it is <laughs> it's, from <laughs> one of the, it's from one of the black and white magazines too so it's all in the ink wash and stuff like that so it just looks great on the wall That's i'm great. a huge collector of original art so oh cool very cool gene colon in black and white is just perfect yes absolutely Marvel did those the big phone book essentials back in the early to mid 2000s and a lot of those books didn't look as great in black and white but Tomb of Dracula mm. I actually think looks better in black and white yeah yeah I have a lot of the um uh the EC guides the Russ Cochran big huge editions and those are in black and white when I forgot my first one I'm like oh black and white I'm getting ripped off and then like four pages in i'm like oh i can see the art now this is awesome i love this <laughs> so yeah black and white is uh great for me and i grew up with a lot of the black and white magazines too the savage sword of conan and all that stuff i was a huge savage sword of conan fan still am i got i'm actually sitting here looking at a collection of savage sword of conan so yeah <laughs> it's not too far in the past when i can reach out and touch it right now it's awesome um, so with, with a mini series like vault, uh, especially in the first issue, you have to do a lot of world building in, you know, a, a fairly, a fairly, you know, 20 page comic. Uh, you know, is there, is there a pressure that comes with trying to do that needed to establish the world and, and, you know, the characters and the stakes and everything without sort of treading into, into info dump territory? You know, what is your, what's your sort of trick for getting around that? Um, well, I can do some narration, which really helps a lot. So, like, uh, and it actually kind of helped that um, that uh, Glenn Brell, the, yep. the main character, uh, he's coming out of prison, so he gets to do a little of establishment in his head, and you know, talk about it. And then um, one of the tricks I used in the first issue is is he meets a character called Brady, a young kid who's a guide, and Brady doesn't know who Glenn is, so Brady is explaining the world. Um, which I kind of used as a um, way to not only get characterization in for the two of them, but also, um, yeah, get that information across. Because there, there needs to be an enormous amount of information in a first issue. And, and um, woof, I, I got it in there. <laughs> I learned a lot of tricks when um, uh, a few years ago, um, me, Chris Roberson, uh, Chris Subala, 
and who else? I'm forgetting the other names. But we did a, a big crossover with uh, uh, like uh, Aliens, Predator, and I was on I was on Prometheus, Fire and Stone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was on Prometheus, and it was like, okay, I I have four issues to tell this enormous, enormous, enormous story, but it was a lot harder for me because Prometheus was the book that set up all the other books. So I not only needed to do four issues and tell this enormous sweeping story, but I needed to lay the seeds for all these other enormous sweeping stories. And it was like, okay, so this page needs like 18 things to happen on it. How can I, um, you know, put 18 things on a page where it doesn't just, you know, some guy standing on top of a hill yelling plot points out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I learned a lot of tricks during that. It was like, um, it was like in a way, being an animator. Animators have to learn to tell, you know, gesture and stuff really quickly and efficiently. And, and that was like, like my writer slash animator training. It also helped um, back when I used to do um, uh, uh, Marvel Adventures, the all-ages books at uh, Marvel, where every single issue was done in one. Mm -hmm. um, it needed to start and finish in that issue, so I learned to tell stories pretty quickly um, there, too. You know, you mentioned uh, Brady, and you also mentioned gesturing and animation, and there's just there was one panel I love where he learns a key piece of information, and he's just sort of like, you know, he's got the disbelief face, but then his arms are sort of going through all the uh -huh. motions. <laughs> Yeah, I know the panel. Arjuna really, Arjuna is just a blast to 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 go with or to work with. And he's fun. I work with some other guys that are mad at me because they're like, "You keep giving Arjuna these scripts that are like 800 people on a street, and there's 16 different levels to the, you know, blah blah blah." And it's like, I don't really. I just say cool street scene, and Arjuna's just like, "Yeah, let's go. I'm into it." So. <laughs> uh, you guys worked together previously on uh, Made Men over at Oni, correct? Correct. Yeah. And that's, that's where I first started. Like, um, we'd actually, it never got published, but we'd, um, uh, we were going to do a book at, um, ah, I'm blanking. It was either IDW or boom. Um, but it never worked out. Um, we were going to do a book together, but, um, he had just seen the art from that project. I knew that I wanted to work with him eventually. And then when I started made men at Oni, I'm like, uh, Arjuna, I need you. Um, <laughs> and then, um, and then when I started this, um, I talked to him about, like, I, I think I wrote him, like, an email saying, hey, I need, like, we're going to do this space thing. Do you have any interest in space and things like that? And he sent back, he started, like, this whole Instagram page of, like, influences for space things and fashions that could be there. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, uh, they, I love the angle in this book where it's, like, you know, this, this, you know, almost like Australia-like planet of convicts fighting uh, corporate gentrification. Um, you know, do you have, are there particular sort of heist stories in fiction that, you know, you're you're a fan of or, or maybe, you know, historically famous uh, heists? Oh. Maybe just the show Leverage. <laughs> I really like Leverage. That was a that was a cleverly written show, and that was um, had well, not all of them, but for the most part, that was a done in one too, where they had to really set things up, and then and then you know basically lose and then win in the end. And which is one thing I do like about um, heist fiction is the is the level of um, oh you beat me 
except here's what I was really doing. And that's that's a big thing for me in heist fiction. Um, I don't know. I don't know like any real life ones, uh, but leverage is actually a thing. And then um, I don't know. I, I grew up watching things like The Sting and like a couple of Audrey Hepburn, Hepburn movies and some other like classic heist movies. But I I don't know. I think the heist influenced me from those, but not necessarily the 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 world building um, or the atmosphere or the mood. Um, I mean, it's, Blade Runner is is, is um, as influential on heist as The Sting. I mean, even though Blade Runner is not a heist movie, it's like I just like the atmosphere and the world and uh, and and people people in a shitty world trying to make a shitty world better or just trying to be good people in a shitty world. That appeals to me too. Uh, publishing through vault. One of the perks is you get those cool vault vintage uh, throwback variant covers. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, I think with, with the first issue, there were like, there were two of them that I, at least I saw there was one for, there was one that homage to turtles and one that homage love and rockets. Uh, I was curious whether you had, uh, you know, any input into the the covers that you know ended up coming out. Um, the only one I can remember is the Love and Rockets one, and I don't. I pff, yes and no on input because <laughs> um, I came up. It was purely my choice in a way because um, I came up with a list of like things I wanted and. Um, I was sitting right here and Colleen, my wife, came in and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. And she's like, you should use the cover to Love and Rockets 1. And I'm like, I'll put it on the list. And I sent that off. And uh, and Adrian's like, oh, that one, Adrian and Tim McDaniel were both, yeah, that's the one. And I'm like, okay. So, so yeah, yeah. I guess my wife chose that. <laughs> she definitely wants to be credited with it. She's pretty tickled about it, frankly. So... <laughs> She, she finds she thinks she's so cool that she could just walk in, shake her head, say "Love and Rockets," leave, and win. So, <laughs> it's it's a kind of magic, really. It really is, yeah. Wives do make the best decisions. I I, I have learned this over. That's what they tell me. <laughs> um, so you recently tweeted a panel from an upcoming issue. Uh, where you and Arjuna included, and I quote, a BDSC, Big Damn Space Cat, um, yeah. in an upcoming issue. Are you a cat person? I, I don't know. You know, here's the deal. I'm not really a cat person, but they sure work their way into my writing. Um, like, I, I've i written, like, I Was the Cat, a graphic novel through yeah. Oni, and, and some other cat-oriented things. Um, I write novels and a series called The Genius Factor, and the first one was how to capture an invisible cat. So yeah, cats just kind of keep working their way in. Um, I haven't had a cat in 20 years. Um, I grew up around cats on on the farm in Iowa. There were always cats, um, strange alien cats. Um, they were they were super strange and alien. Um, Twinkle was the main one I remember, um, like sort of a pure white cat, but it was like years of cat inbreeding on the surrounding farms made them um polydactyl they had extra toes some cats yeah so uh twinkle was the winner with um 42 toes total um almost, yeah, almost almost all her feet um were just like toes all the way around like 10 
10 feet or 10 toes all the way around. And we had this uh, barn that had like really fine uh, dirt floor. And her, her, whenever she walked across that, it looked like little daisies, like just printed on the floor. It's really kind of pretty. She was great. And, and wow, that, that is a, a new entry into the pet corner of the show. <laughs> we is like to ask corner? about people's pets. Yeah, I don't have a pet right now. I have a very, very small apartment. So, um, because uh, I'm constantly just wanting to move somewhere else. So I don't want to buy a house or anything like that. But yeah, I haven't had a pet in a long time. So I kind of live vicariously on other people's pets. It's like, call up Chris Sebelin and say, hey, you, you should bring your dog to a bar and we'll sit and talk dog. Um, so you mentioned Rassel Castle earlier, uh, the OGN you've been working on with, with Colleen. Uh, how is that coming along? Good. The first one is actually done, and I think it's going to be released next summer-ish. Um, we're trying to get a, a whole lot of it done, even more than a full graphic novel, because we want to continue. So, yeah, the first one's done, colored, lettered. Everything's everything's ready to go. So, yeah, we're we're really proud of it. It turned out really well. Um, I, I saw some some you know concept sketches from Colleen early on, but I think there, was there was there talk about doing it with a, like a, a different artist, or did she end up drawing it? Oh no, it's a oh, and I'm blanking on the artist because I have absolutely the wrong name in my head now. Um, I'm blanking on his name, French guy, French animator. Damn it, <laughs> he's, he's really good. Uh, I'll remember his name in a bit, but yeah, he he drew it. Colleen doesn't have time. Um, Colleen is literally my favorite artist in the entire world, um, and I don't say that just because I'm married to her. Um, but uh, she's not the fastest artist in the entire world. I'll just put it that way. So yeah, we didn't want to. We didn't. We need to save her for Bandette. Um, we'll we'll get to Bandette in a bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, Glad. God, I can't. I can't believe that. Glad is the artist for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did. Um, oh my gosh, Sneaks and Scoundrels. Is that the? Yes. Image yes. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Yes. That was actually where I first saw him. Like um, Sebastian, my friend Sebastian, was like, uh, we were at uh, an Emerald City uh, convention, which I can remember because I'm not remembering the convention. I'm remembering the bar. Um, <laughs> And um, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a, a book, upcoming book. And he's like, here's some of the art. And it was like one of those times when I immediately was just like, oh, you're a jerk for getting to work with that guy because I want to work with him so bad. And then, um, and then when we were rounding up artist possibilities for um, Russell Castle, it took us a while. We went through several possibilities and it was actually getting a little bit frustrating. And um, then... Um, Adrian and I were talking one day, Adrian Wassel, the head editor. And he said, well, like, just give me what you would want in an artist. And I'm like, I don't know, man, just somebody like Galad. And he, he called up the next day and he said, how about Galad? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that guy's really similar. So, yeah, that would work for me. And then, yeah, he's, he's done just a really fantastic job. He's a great storyteller which is like really important to me. Um, I, I know a lot of artists that just draw really nice pictures and that's 
sweet. But if you can't tell a story, then then it's hard to write. It's hard to write a good comic around a person who can just draw pretty pictures. You need to be able to tell a story too. Absolutely, it's the difference between doing covers and sequentials. Yes, it is. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> it's amazing too how many times I see like somebody. Like I go through portfolios at conventions and there's just this exquisite, beautiful art. And it's like, oh, do you have any interior pages? And it's like, yeah, here. And it's like, oh, okay, ouch. You know, it's just, it's just like panel after panel of people standing and staring outward. And it's like, yeah, that's not what I, not what I need. Uh, now, Wrestle uh, Castle obviously focuses very heavily on on wrestling and this you know wrestling family this wrestling championship um are you a wrestling fan yourself i was and i actually wrestle castle doesn't go too much into wrestling we didn't want to do a comic about wrestling um because to me like too often that can just become like a, if people go well i don't really like you know wrestling then I don't, so i don't care for the book so the book is more of a a world um that has wrestling in it um, but yeah, I kind of grew up uh, a, a wrestling fan, um, but honestly, it kind of ended uh, when um, when I went to my first actual meet because I was sitting with a lot of people that I was like, "Wait, I'm not these people." Um, <laughs> to be to be fair, it was like Backwoods, Iowa, so I'm sure there's tons of great wrestling fans, but but I was amazed at how many people I was sitting around that were like. Like honestly, truly believed in their heart that everything they were watching was real. So that was a little confusing to me. But I can still remember this was the early days of um, The Giant. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I can still remember him walking out um, and walking past me and how much it hurt my head. Because my, my head just kept trying to work him into proper perspective. And it was like... And it was like, oh, this is super not computing. Something, this is wrong. And it was really kind of, it was like watching uh, uh, D My God walk out. It was kind of cool. Um, so uh, there's as there's definitely aspects I like of it. Um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Ray, the guy who would jump around a lot. Ray Mysterio? Yeah, he was great to watch. But it was like, it's like kid me could watch somebody like Rey Mysterio and go, that's fantastic. But current age me is like, oh, his back's got to hurt. Oh, what that would do to my knees, you know, and things <laughs> like that. So it's not quite the same level of enjoyment. I hope they have good health care. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> like you always have like the... Um, like when you're a kid and you're like, what superpower would you want? And it's like, you know, it's always like super strength or flight or something like that. And like every single one of my friends now is like super healing. That's what I want. Super <laughs> <laughs> uh, give, give me the Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you've done a lot of work in, in the all ages sector, both, you know, in, in comics and, and in novels. Uh, you know, do you remember sort of your your first kind of dipping your toe into that market, or maybe your first sort of, you know, Wu Tang for the is for the children, you know, moment with with comics where where you know you wanted to work in that vein. I think it was um, just being brought into the Marvel Adventure stuff. Uh, I've always liked humor, um, so that's a, it's a sort of a normal 
because um, all ages does generally lean towards humor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, oh, this is for second graders and it's dark and gritty and there's blood, you know. Um, so it kind of like, yeah, when I got the job at, um, at Marvel Adventures, um, sort of launched that part of my career. But I've been doing indie stuff that was humor based um, before. Definitely not uh, all ages, but humor based. Um, and I do like it. Um, it's it's really it's it's not all I want to be. Um, my my career has been uh, uh, wow, this interests me now, so I'll write this. Um, but the kids stuff is always there for me. The all ages um, Plants vs Zombies has been very good for me and um, learning how important I am in some of these kids' lives because it's by far Plants vs Zombies is by far the thing throughout my entire career that I get. Um, email and letters from um and it's it's often kids saying that it's like or parents saying that their kid just read literally literally their first comic ever and that's that feels kind of cool um i've gotten multiple letters of parents saying that their kids um learn to read specifically for plants versus zombies which is just amazing um so just the pure joy that I get from the kids there keeps me going. Um, and also, I really enjoy doing that because I get to tell, you know, dumb jokes at a high level. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say it. Um, um, but, yeah, I get to tell a lot of – I just get to be having fun. Um, so you just mentioned the the Marvel Adventures books, and you did a whole bunch of different all-ages comics for Marvel for a span there. Um one of them was this really sort of underappreciated gem of a miniseries, uh, Doctor Doom and the Masters of Evil. Mm-hmm. And you, you super correctly described that, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> underappreciated gem, exactly. Uh, there, it, was, uh, it was recommended to me by my f- uh, former uh, co-worker uh, at the comic shop that I worked at for a whole bunch of years. Mm-hmm. Uh John Bush, who we were talking recently, I mentioned we were interviewing him, and he's he was like, "Oh, you got to ask you about Doctor Doom: and Masters of Evil because it was so great, because it's this sort of fetch quest, with Doom and the Masters of Evil preparing for this mystical ceremony that will grant Doom one wish, mm-hmm. and when he gets it, it's not you know destroy Reed Richards or take over the world. He uses it to erase any and all guilt he has or ever will feel, mm-hmm. which for a an all ages book is a real <laughs> thinker, which is really cool. Um, where did that hook, that that sort of final twist, come from? Um, I think it's because of, like, the way I feel about Doctor Doom is that he's indisputably evil. He's an evil guy, but he doesn't think so. He honestly does think he's fighting for the right side. Um, um, but any intelligent being has doubts and has weaknesses. You can't, you know, if, if there's somebody who's a hundred percent confident, um, they're probably really dumb. So, <laughs> uh, so I wanted him to have doubts. I wanted him to, you know, like think in the middle of battling Reed Richards, you know, Oh, I, I could win this, but really, am I doing the right thing? Maybe Reed's right. He's a smart guy. He's making some fine points here. Um, so I wanted I wanted Doom to just basically erase that voice in his head and just and just say no I need to I need to stick to the course 
I'm I'm doing the right thing, and I will do what it takes to do the right thing in the end. He's blisteringly mad, but he's but he feels like he's sane, and I I really like that. I like that aspect. I you know when I before I started. Uh, being a professional writer, I didn't understand what a lot of writers feel of like, man, writing the villain is always more fun. Just always more fun. So. Um, Segwaying into your, uh, some of the work you've done with Colleen, because I first discovered you through reading books because I had fallen in love with her art in various places. Mm -hmm. Um, you guys did Banana Sunday about a girl and her three talking uh, apes, which is just absolutely clever and fun. And when it initially came out, you wrote it under the pseudonym of, uh, with the last name of Nybot, which yes. is, you know, backwards, um, which is up there with Dracula signing his name Alucard in Monster <laughs> Squad and the animated Batman versus Dracula, right. where it, it comes kind of easy to pierce that secret identity was that just for fun writing that one under a different name or was uh, there a thing going first, on there? first of all let me confess uh when when i first read like dracula with the name alucard it took me so long to notice that <laughs> it was like <laughs> embarrassingly long it's like oh my god <laughs> there it is it's right in front of me um but um at the time uh I talked earlier about how I write in a in a plethora of fields like you know horror and kids and things like that. And at one point, I decided that I wanted to um, uh, keep separate names for all of them, uh, which was really pretentious and dumb of me at the time. But that's who I was then. Uh, and uh, I had a friend that was named Wheat. His first name was Wheat, um, and I thought that was cool. So I, I decided Root would be a good name. So that's the first. That was the first name, and then yeah, I just flipped my back name. Um, but that's literally the only thing that's ever been written under a different name for me. I mean, other than some of the my early stuff. Um, my first name is actually Edward. Um, so like some of my early writings are E. Paul Tobin or Edward Tobin and things like that. Um, but yeah, when we uh, when we when we went back to print with. Uh, with Banana Sunday, I flipped it back to my real name. Speaking of those different genres, I mean, you, you've written Bandette, which I adore. And it's one of my, I read a lot of all ages comics and it's one of my favorites, but you also wrote one of the most wonderfully disturbing horror comics I've read in the past decade, <laughs> Colder, uh, with Juan Ferrero, which is just Oh, um, as a writer, from a sort of technical standpoint, do you come at the different genres that you're writing in a different way? Or is it all just sort of writing, you set your pencil down and you go to it? I think it's more of a go to it. I mean, at, at a base level, everything that I do is characterization or mood. And um, it's just like, what mood am I going for? right now or you know in in this particular thing do i want to creep people out do i want to make them laugh do i want to make them think um and then and then i just think of how the character would do that or what the world and the character would do so there's no like you know i don't like light a candle and write colder or you know things like that um 
but it is fun. I mean, there there are times when like I'll be at a convention or something and people will look and they'll be like a line of like plants versus zombies and then colder and then ban- banana Sunday and then, you know, uh, bandette. And they're like, wait, you wrote all of these? And I'm like, yeah, I wrote all. Th- oh, wait, that is a little strange, isn't it? So, <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 fun. But I think um, that keeps me um, mentally fresh. Because I've never, I've never really been able to understand people who, like, pick a genre and just never move out of it, or pick a character. It's like, you know, this is, you know, book X of, you know, or book twenty of this particular character, and it's like, and that's all they do in their lives. And it's like, oh my God, that would be so boring. It would just be like, you know, getting a template and filling in a little, you know. You know, last time he fought a bad, evil guy named Lou, but this time he fights a bad, evil guy named Dave. And it's like, okay, whatever. Um, I don't understand how people can get out of bed and write when it's just the same thing over and over again. So for me, it keeps me fresh. And it, it extends my writing day, too. I can I can work for a long time. And I can, when, I can feel my mind start to close down and, and the creativity start to kind of ebb. Um, but often I can just say, okay, well, I'll work on a different project now and have fresh ideas there. So I can get more work done and I have more fun. So bonus. Huzzah. <laughs> um, so with Bandette, which for those out there who aren't familiar, is uh, your and Colleen's all-ages Eisner-winning series about a playful French cat burglar and her friends and associates. Um I've been reading it in those nice hardcover collections that Dark Horse has been releasing. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be, uh, judging by looking online, enough for the next one of those. Will that is there a plan to continue releasing them in print? Or is it really, should I just suck it up and start getting the digital <laughs> issues at this point? Uh, no, we're uh, we're compiling the next trade as we speak. There's enough now. Um, Colleen is actually working on the one after it. Now, so yeah, that so is I think, my next question. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sorry, spoiler. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm happy with that answer. I like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's working on what will be the start of volume five. In fact, she's done, she's done with the uh, first uh, installment of it entirely. So, so it'll be of like uh, the last one has five chapters in it, this one will have four. Um, it'll be a long time before it comes out. Um, the fourth one should be, I don't know, it should be listed fairly soon. Um, not exactly sure when, but yeah, we. I just finished my short story for it. And I like to write short stories for all of them. Um, so I think she needs to do um, some spot illustrations for the short prose story. And then, yeah, it'll be entirely done. That's great. Uh, so on, on top of all of that, uh, you also have a, a weekly digital series on uh, Webtoon. Uh, with Ray Nadine, uh Messenger, about a bike messenger who gets caught up in a war between gods. Uh, you know, Webtoon is this this interesting animal where you know it, it's comics, but it's built for for mobile scrolling. So it's this you know sort of long vertical strip. You know, as as formats go, mm-hmm. it's a lot different than you know obviously your your typical floppy or or you know even just something you'd read on Comicsology. Uh, so I was kind of curious what came first, the, the story idea or, or the desire to work in the Webtoon format? Oh, uh, <laughs> I honestly can't remember. I think I might have had at least a germ of an idea for Messenger first, 
but um, it was really close together. I know that um, Becca Caden, uh, uh, who was the editor, had come into Helioscope Studio, where um, uh, which I belong to. I almost said where I work, but I do not work there. I never work there. I have worked probably a grand total of maybe two hours there in the past three years. So, um, but I belong. And she uh, she came through when she was um, looking for uh, projects. So she talked to some of my friends about it. And, but Colleen was there. Colleen does work there. And she told me about it. So I contacted Becca, who's a friend, and, and we, we got Messenger started. But I honestly don't remember how much for Messenger um previous i don't i think it was pretty much simultaneous like i have a germ of an idea but let's develop it for webtoon so a little bit ago on twitter uh you tweeted about an idea for one of those x-men the quiet issues the issues in between arcs um which happen to be some of our mutual favorite issues of x-men uh where the x-men take cyclops clothes shopping Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do you know who would take him and what they'd be shopping for? Oh, dang, now, I'm, now I need to write it. Uh, uh, well, vintage clothing, uh, but vintage uh, German clothing, like turtlenecks and things like that, I think is, I, I picture him that way. Um, boy, where? what else? Who would take him? Um, somebody who would ridicule him, that's for sure, because that to me is like, so I don't know him and Wolverine or oh not the Beast who would boy that's ah oh, Dazzler let's take, have Dazzler and <laughs> get to use Dazzler that way I don't I don't think I've ever written Dazzler and that's going to be a big black mark in my career it's like like the as they bury me in the grave people will be going yeah he never wrote Dazzler so so that would give me a chance to do that um, yeah I'm a I'm a fan of like the um, the early X-Men. I'm not really that familiar with X-Men past, oh, geez, like issue 170 or something of Uncanny. So, you know, that was like 70 years ago or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really like a lot of the characters um, from that time period because they did seem... I was going to say they seemed like complete characters to me, but, but from other experiences I know, because, like, man... I told you I grew up in the in the seventies and and um, the late seventies, and it's like I I look back fondly to a lot of the comics that were written there because they were very complex and had you know all this character development and stuff like that. And um, I pick them up and read them today, and I'm like, oh, they actually don't have a lot of character <laughs> development, and they're not very complex at all. They're kind of dumb. So I don't know how much like writing I do in my head when I'm when I'm reading stuff, um, or just the nostalgia of the time period. Um, but yeah, I at least see them. Maybe maybe I have you know 25 years of mental fanfic in my head to to develop them. So there were a lot more words then, which maybe get, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It is amazing sometimes you look back at that and you're like, man, these letters had to do it on the original art a lot, too. So it's like, God, man, give those guys some room. I try to do a, like a lot of like, like I have a mental thing in my head of like, oh, that's too many words. And it's like I start to every word I add to a page after that, I can just see like um, like we did a lot of lettering like back on Colder. I worked with Nate Picos, who is one of my 
favorite letters. And um, I could almost feel the looming ghost of Nate, like poke his head up. If I hit like a word balloon with more than 25 words, he'd be like creeping up on me with his cold hands going, take that word balloon down, Tobin, you know, so... (laughs) Um, so yeah, he taught me a lot about lettering and how to look about how to look at it, and um, and then I would push his boundaries because that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so, I mean, we've talked about Plants vs. Zombies, um, but you've also written tie-in comics for Angry Birds and Witcher. Um, so, are you much of a gamer yourself? Oh yeah, um, I love gaming. Um, like when they when they. Um, Philip Simone uh, actually called me to see if I wanted uh, the uh, the Plants vs. Zombies job. And um, he's like, are you familiar with Plants vs. Zombies? And I, and I told him the truth. You interrupted me playing a game, Philip. <laughs> I was just actually playing it when he called. And then... Like if you wanna if you wanna know uh, how to field an uncomfortable phone call, uh, they brought me up to uh, to Seattle to the PopCap Games to talk about writing Plants vs Zombies, um, which at the time their biggest uh, their biggest rival was Angry Birds, um, and uh, I was waiting I was in the waiting room of PopCap, um, waiting to go into the meeting about writing Plants vs Zombies when I got the phone call for angry birds. So, I, so I'm, yeah, I'm going like, yeah, I'll take that job, but I can't talk right now. Okay. <laughs> I felt really weird. Just like sitting there in the plants versus zombies waiting room, taking the angry birds job. But you know, they were both fun, fun jobs and they both paid me money. It's, it's always a good thing. That's, that's, um, the, that's the angry. Thing. The Angry Birds guys were the the only the one time in my entire life where um, somebody said, "Quote me a price," and I quoted them a price, and they said, "Oh no 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 no, that is too low. We will pay you more than that." <laughs> oh my! Yeah, fun. Nice words to hear. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, so, what what are you playing now? I just um, finished uh, playing Borderlands 3, which um, I did not enjoy, uh, and I'm mostly because of the writing, but I actually don't blame the writers, because sometimes I can feel the, the game makers, the uh, marketers and things like that interfering with the writing, and I could feel it this time. So the writers did the best they could, um, but I didn't enjoy it that much. Um, but I just started playing uh, Outer Worlds. Um, and uh, I'm enjoying that a lot. So, yeah, I like I like big open worlds. I like getting a sniper rifle and shooting things. Skyrim, <laughs> you know, getting a bow and arrow in Skyrim and shooting things from afar. That's a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed the Mass Effect games. Uh, what else? Yeah, I, I, I play a lot of games. Witcher, obviously, I enjoyed playing Witcher. That was a lot of fun. The only bad part about um, writing Witcher was... Um, I was like maybe 20 hours away from finishing Witcher 3 when um, the game makers needed to ruin all the ending for me so that I could write Witcher because like the last Witcher series that I did was based upon the ending of Witcher 3 so I needed to know the ending before I could start writing and I was like okay yeah just go ahead and tell me it was kind of sad 
Interesting. Um, so uh, you live in Portland, which is sort of known for its uh, high concentration of, of, of comics creators and appreciators as well. Um, has living, yes. how has being in that environment sort of, uh, you know, and having that, that sort of support system, uh, you know, influenced your work? Um, I don't know that it's influenced my work, but it's made it possible because I, I struggled for a long time in Iowa where I grew up and um, there was just nobody to meet or talk to or things like that. It was, it was basically just me and Phil Hester, who's still a dear friend. Um, but, you know, it's hard to form a studio with two people. Um, Phil's largely the reason I got into comics because we met at college and I didn't know you could do comics. Um, I thought that only certain people who lived in New York were allowed to do comics. Um, so Phil was already doing some like small independent comics when I met him. So he, he got me into comics. Um, but yeah, living in Portland with where you can just um, meet people at the grocery store and, and talk comics all the time um, and meet editors and get to know people and things like that. So I don't I don't know. Uh, my career has been hugely influenced, but I don't know that my writing has been hugely influenced because I am um, pretty set in my ways at this point. There's been a few writers in the past few years that I, I would consider influencing me. Um, Matthew Rosenberg comes to mind. Um, um, both the Hernandez brothers always um, are constantly pushing boundaries, which I like. Um, uh, there's probably more, but I'm just not aware of it yet. So <laughs> I might be completely wrong. Maybe everybody in Portland has influenced me. Oh, X Stop, Chris Chris Subla, he's influenced mm -hmm. me. Um, yeah, there's probably more. Yeah, you'll think of the rest next time you run into them at the grocery store. <laughs> well, it was like I was saying earlier, like I didn't think Steve Gerber was an influence on me for years. And now I realize he's my hugest influence. So like maybe 10 years from now, I'll, I'll be going, oh, wait, you know, you know, Jeff Parker. Well, actually, Jeff, I already know Jeff's an influence. Um, he's a good friend. Um, so, yeah, we actually. Uh, it's interesting. We are. Our comics end up very similar, but the way we approach comics and especially the way we approach scripts is like hugely different. So much so that like the couple of times that we've uh, co-written, we've nearly nearly murdered each other. So hmm. <laughs> interesting. Um, you know, how in sort of like what ways was it different? Uh, if I get a job, I like to finish it. Um, Immediately, Jeff likes to be a last-second type guy um, to let all the ideas build and things like that, whereas I get, like, bursts of creativity and want to get the job done. Then um, he'll just – so if you're co-writing and you have one guy that's, like, trying to finish everything immediately and one guy who's like, well, you know, there's still three minutes left in the deadline, then then it's it's it can, it can feel like you're – uh, it got bad. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh, what What are you reading now? Uh, a lot of Japanese stuff. <laughs> I I tend not to read too much American stuff because so so much of it is my friends. Um, so that I since I can't step away from the knowledge of what they were doing, what the writers are doing. Um, 
So I read a lot of uh, Japanese comics and manga and things like that, which I really enjoy. Um, but it's not, it's so different. And I read a lot of webtoon stuff too. I really, I really enjoy the format. Um, uh, blanking on every single title. Um, just got a new Richard Sala thing the other day. I'm a big fan of Richard Sala's work, although he sure murders a lot of women in it. I'm constantly going, oh, there's a pretty girl. Oh, she got stabbed. Um, I've been rereading um, a lot of the Jesse Marsh Tarzan things. Um, Jesse Marsh was uh, uh, Phil and I. Well, we're back to Phil Hester. Phil and I were just talking last night about um, a lot of the artists that we didn't like as a kid are now some of our um, favorite artist. Um, he was bidding on a page from an artist. Uh, Phil collects original art, too. He was bidding on a page by an artist called San Ho Kim. Um, and I was bidding on a page from uh, Jesse Santos, um, who's a guy who I despised as a kid. Every time I ran across one, I'd be like, oh, this sucks. And this will be my second original. I, I did. I won the auction. So this will be my second Jesse Santos page where Phil decided to let the San Ho Kim page go. So he bought a Jaime Hernandez page. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, collecting original art influences me a lot because I, can, I love seeing like actually how the, how the cakes are made, so to speak. Um, like really seeing how, like Jack Davis, I have an original Jack Davis page um, from, from EC, a really one of the classic pages. Um, I, I have a lot of EC art. Um, Jack Davis is the sole sole artist I've ever gotten original page from and gone. Well, he apparently just splattered ink on the page and it was done. I can't see any process to it at all. He just apparently just drew it without anything. It was just he's just, he was just that level of genius where it was just like boom, I'm done. Next page, boom, I'm done. Um, a lot of the other people, especially Wally Wood. Wally Wood's Wally Wood's a favorite artist of mine. I have several of his pieces, and he he labored on those pages. Um, I have a couple of his EC pages, and then uh, some Thunder Agent stuff, um, some other stuff. How how far back would you say? Like, what, what do you think is your 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 oldest piece? Um, oof, probably. The one that comes to mind, um, I have a Graham Ingalls page that was from. It's actually unused. He was a. Tr it was like a sort of a tryout page from uh, Planet Comics. Um, that was from like 1941, somewhere in there. Wow. 41, 42. Um, a lot of my art is like from the 50s and things like that. Partially because I like the EC art, and very very little of my art is um, modern. Really, I have. I I told you I have a small apartment. And it's true, but I have I think like a hundred and sixty pages of art on the wall now. Wow! Is it is it all yeah. all on the wall, or do you have like sort of a, a a vault for the rest? Oh, there's a lot more in portfolios. A lot more, and then there's a behind me. There's a, a desk that has art that's supposed to be on the walls, but I haven't got it there yet, including um. Next piece, it's probably going to go up. I have a, a nice uh, Frank Miller Daredevil page that I want to get on the wall. But I need to get a, a good frame for that one. With, I keep putting it off because I want UV glass and all that stuff for it because it's it's an expensive page. Most expensive page now. I'm old enough that like a lot of the art that I bought 
um, I got for prices that would make people um, faint in today's <laughs> market. Like I actually remember buying that Frank Miller page. I, I paid $75 for it. So today it's probably a $10,000 page somewhere in there. Yikes. Yeah. 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 That's some cheddar. <laughs> That's some cheddar. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's uh, there's a there's a ton of art on my walls that there's no way I could afford anymore. Just no way. <laughs> you might, somewhere out there, there is a frame store that you have made very happy over the years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to collect a lot. I used to like go to conventions and buy like classic comics. So like my my comic collection is pretty good too. I have like FF one, X Men one, a bunch of a bunch of other like tales of suspense 39 most of my collection is golden age stuff though like a lot of old timely comics and things like that i love comics <laughs> <laughs> now are you're you, in the right place yes yeah. exactly. uh are you the kind you have them like slab cgc graded and all that or or just you know bagged and boarded the only cgc slabs that i have um i bought them that way and then i um uh, here, sac sacrilege, sorry, broke them out of there because I need to hold them, I need to feel them, I need to read them. Um, and I actually kind of like lower condition books, so I don't need to worry about it too much. I can just like hold them in my hands and read them. If I want to read Daredevil 1 while I'm sitting on the toilet, I can do it. <laughs> I, I, if that's not the American dream, you know, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was in the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Paul, this has been uh, a ton of fun. As we are, are winding down, how can people follow you online and everything you're doing if you, in fact, wish to be followed? <laughs> I like that. Uh, uh, I have a website, but really uh, Twitter is the place. I'm just Paul Tobin on Twitter. Um, that's where I spend most of my social media time. I don't have a Facebook or Instagram or anything like that because I'm, I barely have time for Twitter. The only reason I got on Twitter is because, like, back in the day when it was 140 characters, I figured, oh, that won't take up much of my time. Um, I need to preserve my writing time. So, yeah, Twitter. Uh, this isn't a rabbit hole at all. No. Um. no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been fun. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. And if we hit $10 in monthly donations, we'll start a new project, either a second podcast about the DC animated features, a deep dive retrospective on James Robinson and Tony Harris's Starman, or a manga for beginners feature. Uh, big thanks to our existing patrons, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust, Charlie Davis from The Young Ones Podcast, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, and Scott Madrinsky from Mojoswork.com. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA!